Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. going with our message today, I have a thing that I like to do uh, where we're going to take a selfie together. Um, so to celebrate and mark this day, let's see if we can get everybody in here. All right, so we're going to try this. All right, so I want to get everybody smiling real good. Ready on one, two, three, cheese. That's pretty good. Pretty good right there. All right. Well, yeah. All right, so make sure it goes out to all the fancy places on the interwebs here. Oh, couldn't fetch the location. Well, that stinks. I guess not. All right, well, we're just going to go ahead and post that. So some of you are going to get something on your phone here in a second, probably. All right, so I am so excited uh, for today. I, can't sh- I cannot just stop talking about how excited I am about everything that God has done. Today, we are celebrating three years as a church family. Uh, this dream of this, ch- of this church, Encounter Church, has gone uh, so far beyond three years. I remember it was probably five, six years ago when we really felt like God was calling us to plant this church. And even uh, back in 2006, I believe it was, or 2005, 2006, uh, I was just already thinking that God was calling us to start something. We just didn't know what. It was incredible how God is faithful to the things that he puts in our heart. That's one thing I want you to know today. I believe that when God puts a dream in your heart, that he is faithful to bring it to life and bring it to fruition if we just continue to follow after him. Today is about taking time to pause It's time to reflect, uh, to survey all that God has done, uh, and take it all in. It is good. You know, how many of you know it's good to stop and smell the roses? Let me see. How many of you know that it's good to stop? Some of you are like, I don't like roses because there's bees around them. And that is true sometimes. But it's also good to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Uh, It's important to be thankful. It's important to be thankful, and we are thankful. Today is all about celebrating. But you know, I think it's also important on days like this to look ahead and to dream a little bit more and to say, God, what are you doing? You're not done yet. I believe that with all my heart. There is, there is more for us to do. Uh, we want to hear what God is calling our church to, and, and we want to redouble our efforts. That's a lot of what today is. Today is to pause, to reflect, to celebrate, to be thankful, but it's also to redouble our efforts in the mission and the vision that God has has given us for our lives and for this city. And so as I was preparing this week, I started thinking about what are some metaphors that, that come to my mind for, for us as a church? Like, how would I describe it? If I were to think of pictures or illustrations, what would I say about us as a church? Well, the first one I thought of was the little engine that could. Anybody ever seen this guy, the little engine that could? We have we have, uh, I remember growing up as a kid hearing about this, uh, reading this book, and what was his famous phrase? I think I can, right? I think I can. I think I can. No matter how hard it was for him to get up the hill, he was not going to stop. He was going to continue to push. He was going to continue on. I think that our church is like the little engine that could. I also thought about Danny LaRusso from The Karate Kid. Uh, how many of you have seen the original Karate Kid movie, right? One of the greatest movies of all time in my life. Sweep the leg, Johnny. That was probably the worst advice that anyone could ever be given. But 
Danny LaRusso moves to California. He doesn't know anybody. He's a scrawny little kid. He doesn't know anything. But he, he finds a, a person who comes along and teaches him, and he gives everything. He gets bullied a little bit, but he doesn't give up. He keeps fighting. And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, he uses the famous crane kick that he uses to defeat the great enemy, and he, he, he has victory. And, but it was an improbable victory. No one ever thought that Danny would be able to do the things that he did, but he is now now forever immortalized in cinematic history because of how great uh, his life was and what he did. So I think our church reminds me a lot of Danny LaRusso. Another one I think of is Rocky Balboa. Rocky is, is awesome, right? Because I think the reason that Americans like Rocky so much is because it's an underdog story. Everybody thought that Rocky couldn't, couldn't do anything. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't uh, the, the, the most, you know, ripped guy. He, he didn't have all the best moves. He was a left-handed guy. Come on, somebody. I'm lefty. He, 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 wasn't, uh, he wasn't the prettiest. He wasn't the, the most funded, but he was the hardest working. He had the, the best vision, the strongest desire, and he went up against the strongest. He went up against the best, and he beat them. And I love that about Rocky because, and I think that's why we all love Rocky, is because he never gives up. He was the small guy who did more than he could ever do, and I love that. Another one that I was thinking about is David and Goliath. David and Goliath. You know, this is a popular story, and people who aren't even Christians, people who have never even read the Bible have heard the phrase or, or the, the identity or the story of David and Goliath. It's so pervasive in our pop culture, the idea of a, of a small boy, an underdog, who took on someone he had no business taking on and defeated him. I think our church is a lot like David and Goliath. And so today I want to read the story, actually, of David and Goliath. I want to read it from the Bible and I believe that what we will find in the story of David and Goliath is going to speak to each one of us today in our individual lives and in our, the life of our church. And I just think it's going to be powerful for us today. So would you open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17? Uh, that's in the Old Testament, the book of Samuel. There's two of them. This is the first book of Samuel. Samuel was a prophet uh, and, and a prophet of God who spoke to kings. And, and this, these books are all about Samuel's life and how he spoke on behalf of God to, to raise up and to mobilize other people for his kingdom. So we're going to start in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. And we're going to read a, a chunk of scripture here, and then we're going to talk just a little bit before we party today. All right, 1 Samuel, verse 1, it says this, The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and they camped between Soko and Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damim. God bless you. Saul, the king at the time, countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah, which might sound familiar if you've ever seen the movie. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. I have a picture of what this looks like in modern day. So if you look up at the top right, that's Israel. That's as we know it today, okay? And so you see that square, that's kind of where we were happening. The Mediterranean Sea is on the left side there. And this is what it looks like in real life. So this is what it would be like if they were there. That would be to say that this is the Valley of Elah right in the middle. And then each of the armies were camped on the other side. So you can see that they could see each other. They were about to fight and that the battle was going to take place down in the bottom there. So that's what it says. The Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Verse 4. Then Goliath, there he is, a Philistine champion from Gath, 
came out to the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Skip to verse 8. Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight? He called them. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. You can hear like the arrogance dripping off of him. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. Verse 12. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at this time, and he had eight sons. And then we're going to skip down to verse 17. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Now, David was a shepherd boy. He was not old enough to fight in the army yet. He was a boy who, who his job was to sit with sheep all day. His job was to take care of, maybe fend off some animals, which was definitely by no means like a baby chore. I mean, wild animals like bears and wolves would come in, and he had to fight them off. So he had to know how to fight, but he wasn't old enough to be able to enlist in the army. So when his dad comes to him and says, hey, your brothers are out there fighting the battle against the Philistines, you know, it takes some bread to them. That's like a menial task, a little tiny job for a boy who, who didn't have the responsibility of a man on his shoulders yet. He was probably around the age of 15. Some scholars think he was 12. Others think he was as old as maybe 17. But probably he was right in the range of 15. Could you imagine yourself 15 going out to war and fighting against the champion of another nation? Could you imagine that? Anyone who's ever seen the movie like Gladiator, you know, when they're in this circle, that's kind of what was shaping up here was this massive giant is, is threatening and basically calling out, send me your best. And he ends up with David. So David leaves the field and he brings the supplies to the camp and he immediately sees the battle setup that's described in scripture there. And Goliath is taunting and he looks and he sees his own people terrified. The Bible says over and over again that the Israelites were terrified of facing Goliath because my guess is that every person who's gone up against him probably got crushed, got decimated. And so the Bible makes it clear that their ranks were breaking. People were turning and running and David arrives with cheese and bread and he's like, I brought you the bread here. And he sees all of his army, the people who are supposed to be fighting and representing his own nation, afraid. And David goes and finds King Saul with boldness. This is so interesting. And in verse 32, verse 32, this 15-year-old boy says this. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told him. I'll go fight him. And then Saul, don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Excuse me, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Oh, well, okay. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. My goodness. And club it to death. I have done this 
to both lions and bears. Oh my. I'll do that to this pagan Philistine too. Do you hear that? I will do that to this pagan Philistine too. Why? For he has defied the armies of the living God. Wow, what boldness. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Man, do you, do I, do we have that kind of boldness of what God has done in our lives? Man, verse 40. So he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, which was down in the, in the, the valley bed there, and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then he armed, armed only with his staff and his sling. So prior to this, Saul tries to give him armor, you know. And, and a lot of the pictures that you see in, in like, you know, Bible stories and like Sunday school classes and things like that have this picture of David being the scrawny guy with the, with the armor being way too big for him. That's not entirely accurate. At this point, he's, he's kind of going through puberty. He's, he's becoming manly. So the armor wasn't that it, didn't, that it wasn't too big for him. The issue was that he never used it before. He was trying to be him someone else. Instead, God was wanting him to be himself. He had to use the skill set that God had given him. Does that make sense? Okay. So he walks down into the valley and he picks up these stream, these, these, these stones. And it says, then armed only with his staff and a sling, not like the slingshot, like you pull back, but like the kind where you, 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 uh, you swing it around in a circle and then you release one end of it. And then the stone flies. And it says, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. And Goliath, verse 41, walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you would come out here with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath. I mean, this guy is no joke. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And today, the Lord will conquer you. I mean, he's standing in front of a nine-foot giant, and he speaks that right to him. And I will kill you, (laughs) and I will cut off your head. Wow. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly to meet him, Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. I imagine in a movie, like this slow motion sort of, you know, like, and then the stone just coming along. And, 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 you know, who knows? Maybe Goliath was in a moment of about to throw his spear, you know, and all of a sudden this rock, this stone, bam, hits him right in the forehead. And this is what it says. The stone sank in. Like, it hit him that hard. It didn't bounce. I mean, it, like, ingrained in his forehead. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. PG-13 warning, 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine only with a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Wow. Wow. What a story. Like, what what a—this is incredible. 
This little boy who had no business being on the battlefield, his job was literally to bring food to his brothers. And, and, and there was a part of the passage that we kind of cut out where his brothers are like, ah, like, hey, you know, because David's like, why are you guys afraid? Like, we've got God on our side. Like, he's got this youthful vigor about him. And his brothers who have been out on the battlefield, who are war, you know, torn individuals, they look at their brother and they go, you just want the credit. You know, forget it. Like, they're, they're just disillusioned individuals. How many of you have come up across disillusioned people in your life when you share what God has put on your life. That happens to me all the time. You tell people about what God wants to do, what you feel like God has for you in your personal life or in a church, and then there's people who just, they want to rain on your parade, and it's because they have forgotten that God is on their side. They have, they have not given God the credit or the glory for what he's already done, and they've lost track of how he can do things powerfully in their lives. David had no business being out there, but here's the big idea of the day. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't forget it. Nothing is impossible when you have God on your side. Nothing is impossible when you have God on your side. I, I believe this with all my heart. Sometimes I don't live it out as, be, as well as I could. Sometimes I forget. I think about all the things that God has done. It's like, I, I, how many of you have ever, have ever felt like this where you have seen God do incredible things in your lives and then, and then some problem arises and then, and then you forget all those good things. You forget how God has done powerful things in your life. But nothing is impossible when you have God on your side. You see, David often gets the credit for defeating Goliath. But David made it clear who won the battle even before it began. Look at these. He says this, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. He also said, today the Lord will conquer you. Another one of the quotes, everyone's assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. And the last one, this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. You see, everything that we face in our individual lives, in our church, is within our grasp if we would understand and wield the name of Jesus Christ over our lives and over our situations. Nothing is impossible when we have God on our side. Nothing is impossible when we put our trust in him. And today on our three-year anniversary as a church, I wanted to talk to you as individuals, but also as a church body. And I wanted to look at two guiding principles that I see from this story that I believe are for us today. And I've entitled this message this, act your age, but never act your size. Act your age, but never your size. What does it mean to act your age? Well, here's what I was thinking. David was a boy. He was not even old enough to join the army, so we talked about that, and he was okay with that. David was fine. We don't see any passage of scripture where he was saying things like, I wish that I could be out on the battlefield. I kind of hate, you know, taking care of all these sheep. I don't like smelling. You know, maybe he had a girlfriend. I don't know. Like, like he, he's, there's an indication that David was fine with what he was doing. He was somewhere between 12 and 17 years old, and he was, he was just fine being a teenager. There was no problem there. He didn't want to be a soldier. But at this point, what's interesting is he was actually anointed as to be the next king. Prior to this chapter, the prophet Samuel, who the book is named after, came to the home of Jesse because God said, go to the house of Jesse and you will find the next king. Saul was the king, but now it's going to be Jesse's son. One of his sons, I'm going to show you which one and you will anoint him to be the future king. And what happens is, is that Samuel comes and David is not even present. He's out in the field, right? And what happens is, is that Jesse brings out all of his older sons and says, one of these surely must be the king. And Samuel goes all the way down the line from the oldest to the youngest minus Samuel. And he says, no, none of these were, none of these are the ones who God has picked. 
do you have any other kids? And, and Jesse goes, well, yeah, I've got my son David, who's like, like a little puny, scrawny punk out in, the, out in the backyard, you know? Like, that's, that's kind of the idea. And he says, go get him. So he brings David, and immediately the Spirit of God speaks to the prophet Samuel and says, that is the next king. Now, why do I bring that up? Because, because he's acting his age. Even though, even though he was pronounced by the prophet of God, the Lord Most High, the Lord of Heaven's armies, as he is called, has spoken and said, you, David, will be the next king of Israel. We don't see anything about that in the story. He, he's, he has this dream in his heart for whatever it was that God has put in there, but he's fine being the shepherd. He's fine out there doing all the things that he was supposed to do. And this is important for each of us to understand. The season of life that we find ourselves in should not be compared to what has come before it or what will come after it. The season of life, hear me, the season of life that you find yourself in now should not be compared to what has come before it or what will come after it. What happens is, is when we choose to want to remember the past and live there, or when we want to, to walk into our future before it is time, we miss everything that we are supposed to have right now. We miss every opportunity. We miss everything we're supposed to learn. I would say this, respect the process and the season. As a church, we are only three years old. Sometimes, and this is, this is not anyone, you know, complaining. Sometimes you hear things like, man, I wish we were this, or I wish we could do that as a church. And I say, yeah, me too. But we're only three. What were you doing when you were three years old? You know, like toddling around, bumping into things, <laughs> you know, all the time. I remember growing up as a kid, I remember always being like wishing that I could sit at the grown-up table. I remember wishing that I could, you know, I had all the money that I wanted so I could do what I wanted. I wanted to stay up as late as I want. I wanted to make my own decisions. Everybody remembers that feeling like that as a kid. But the problem is, is that if I kept thinking about that, I wasn't enjoying being a kid. And now that I'm an adult, I go, man, sometimes I wish I could go back to being a kid. I would gladly sit at the kid table if it meant that I could watch TV all day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, you, we, miss, we miss the benefits of the season. But you know the other thing of it is? Is that you can't blame yourself or hold yourself to things that you just aren't ready for. When you are a young child or you're in a particular season of life or as a church when you're only three years old, you got to give yourself credit for where you are, but don't put so much pressure on your shoulders for the fact that you are only where you are. Like, if you just got a new job, don't hate yourself because you're not the CEO of the company yet. You know what I mean? Like, if you just moved out of the house, don't be angry or upset because you can't buy a house yet. Like, that's the thing is we have to respect the process and respect the season that we find ourselves in. We must act our age. We must learn. We must grow and we must dream. And as a church, that's what I think. We will act our age. We will remember. We're only three years old, folks. You know, our, par our parent church, Allison Park Church, that planted us three years ago, we are now our own entity, we're our own sovereign church, but there will always be a, a father, Pastor Jeff Leak will always be a spiritual father in my life. You know, they had just celebrated 50 years together, 50, and there is an incredible legacy at that church, an incredible um, tradition that, at that church. They've seen a lot of changes. A lot of people come. A lot of people go. They have done incredible things. They've planted 30 churches. They started an organization called Reach Northeast that we are a part of that planted 100 churches in five years. All of those things sound great. We have no business doing any of those things right now. Why? Because we're only three. You know what I mean? 
Like, so, so for a three-year-old or a 22-year-old or a 45-year-old or whatever your age is, act your age. What is it that, is, that, is, that God has said for you to do now? And live that. Enjoy that. Don't look back and say, man, I used to be able to do that. And don't look ahead so far to where you forget where you are and go, man, I want that. And, and if I can't have that, I'm never going to be happy where I am. No, we need to act our age now. We need to learn we must grow and dream. But the other side of it is, is we will act our age, but we will never act our size. That's what I love about David was he was content to be the shepherd boy. But when the time came, he stood up and slayed a dragon. You know what I mean? Like he, he was willing to do anything. You know, we may be small, but size is irrelevant when we have the God of the universe with us. You know, David had no business being out on the battlefield. He was a young boy. He was way too small. He was scrawny. He had no sword. He didn't have armor. He had zero business being on the battlefield. But you know what? He was armed with boldness that his size didn't matter because he knew that God was with him. I love that the first thing he tells Saul is, hey, I'm going to go take care of that Philistine because he's, he's insulted my God, and I know that God will be with me when I fight. He's going to win this battle. He is going to take care of this fight. And, you know, interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, if you read through so many of the passages in the book of Exodus and, and Joshua and Judges and all these other passages of Scripture where the Israelites were facing armies, most of the time they were well outnumbered. Most of the time there was 100,000 of them and there were 400,000 of the enemy or whatever ratios. But Every time it says the Lord was with them, the Lord went before them, the Lord fought the battle on their behalf. Sometimes they didn't even have to fight. Sometimes they heard God say, get up in the morning, prepare for the battle, and start to march. And they did it, and then when they got there, they found a whole bunch of bodies laying on the ground because God had gone before them and slayed all of their enemies before they even got there. There have been several instances like that. David, David was well aware of those things in their history. He was well aware of the fact that he knew who his God was. And even though he was a tiny 15-year-old boy who had no business being out there, he knew that he was not a respecter of his age because he knew, or his size, because he knew that God told him to go and that God was going to give him the strength that he needed. You know, we are a small church. We're a growing church, but we're small. But you know what? We're three years old, but we have always adopted this principle as a church that we will never act our size. We will never act our size. A church of 50 people really has no business hosting outreaches that draw 1,000 people. A church of 50 really doesn't have any business spending the amount of money that it takes to throw these kinds of events. A church of 50 people has no business, you know, sending money into the mission field and, and, and thousands of dollars into church planting and these types of things. But we do it. Why? Because we do not act our size. We will say we are three so we're going to make sure that we, that we don't overextend ourselves. We will hear from God. We will hear what he has for us. And when he says, go here, even though that ladder looks really high, even though it's like too big, we will walk in the direction of where God tells us to go because we will not act our size because God is with us. He is with us. He always has and he always will. You know, since we launched our church three years ago, I wanted to, to tell you this. And even before that, a small launch team. Here's some of the things that we've done. We have hosted four Easter egg hunts and served over 3,500 people. 
We have hosted three back-to-school bashes, and we have given over away over 1,000 backpacks filled with school supplies. We have given away thousands of dollars to church planting and to missions. We have preached the gospel, and we have seen many people saved and baptized, and we are only three years old and 50 people strong. Do not. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. He's the one who's done it, just like David. Just like David. He gave credit to God before he even went out to the battlefield. That is who we are. Do not let anyone tell you that you're too small or that you don't have the resources or that you don't have the training to do what you know that God has called you to do. I'm talking both as a church and to you as an individual. When you hear God say something to you, when he puts a dream in your heart for whatever it is for you, begin to walk in that direction and trust that the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the universe, will give you everything that you need when the time comes. And sometimes you won't have enough, but he'll do something powerful, miraculous, like knock down a giant in your way that he would squish you if he stepped on you. But God is with you. Do not let anyone tell you that you're too small. Do not let anyone tell you that you don't have the resources or the training to do what God has called you to do. Act your age, but never your size. Nothing is impossible with God when you have God on your side. So here's what I want to finish with today. Where are we going next? Where are we going next as a church? We will continue to be a church that seeks to encounter God in real life. That is who we are. We will continue to push and help individuals in our workplaces, in our life groups, on Sunday mornings, in our neighborhoods, in our coffee shops, wherever we find ourselves, and show them that God is with us in that space, in that moment. We will teach you. We will gear everything around encountering God in real life. We will push to experience God. We will push to explore our faith and to learn more and to dig in and ask questions. And we will push to express what God has done publicly to our neighbors, to our cities, to our workplaces, to our families. You know, God is expanding the vision of our church. I shared this at our sacred assembly. And for some of you who weren't there, this may be the first time. God is expanding the vision of our church from Lawrenceville to include the East End. We are now looking broader to other neighborhoods. There are people all over the city who need the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. Not just Lawrenceville. This is our home. But you know what? There are neighbors in other towns and other, other neighborhoods in the East End who need Jesus. And he's calling us to reach them. God has called us to push to reach 100 people this year, 100 salvations this year. And that sounds insane. To me, 100 salvations sounds like I'm David right now, standing up against the Goliath of this city. But we're making plans. We're saying, God, we're going to preach the gospel at our big hunt this year. We're going to do the same thing at our back-to-school bash. We've created a street ministry team that goes out on Friday nights and begins talking to people and praying for people. We're believing for salvations. And I believe that I don't know how it's going to happen. But I'm doing what I was told to do. We are doing what God has told us to do. And we will walk forward, and at the end of the year, we will look and we will believe that God has given us 100 people who didn't know Jesus this year. That is the vision that God has given us. And here's something I'm really excited about. God has spoken and told us that it is time to go and find our own location to find our own space. This is something that many of us have been praying for for a long time. We've been on a journey as a church. We have been, uh, we started at Arsenal Middle School in the auditorium and we moved out of there and went to a gymnasium and then we moved back to Arsenal and then we had to move out of there again and we've been here almost two years and this has been a great space for us but for some time now, our ministry team and our board of stewards, our trustees have just felt like God has been saying, it's time to move. 
It's time to move. And as we've looked, we believe that God is calling us to our own space, to a place of our own. And that's scary, right? Because, because we're like, we're three. I mean, in terms of like people years, that's probably like 20, 21, you know what I mean? Kind of like the dog ear thing. Think about that. What was it like for you when you moved out of your house for the first time? Were you thinking about buying a house? Were you thinking about, you know what I mean? Like it's scary, right? The process. But here's the thing. As I look at David and Goliath, I think of Rocky. I think of, of, of Danny LaRusso. I think of the little engine that could. And I see all that God has done in our lives and in this church and all the things that he's done for us. And, how he, and he's giving visions for greater things. He's not saying, hey, Jared, act your age, pull it back. No, he's saying, I want more for you. I want more for each one of you in this town, every one of you in this room today. God wants more for your life. And even though you might be young, even though you're like, I don't have the money, I don't know what to do with that. And I think all the same things. I know what our resources are like as a church. I know the size of our church. I know all of these things. And yet God says, look for a building. Okay, I will walk into the valley trusting that my God goes before me. And that is who we are as a church. We will act our, our age. We will realize that some things are just not for us yet. You know, and that's okay. But we will never act our size, ever. We will never act our size. When the Lord of heaven's armies speaks, we will move. Yes, when we will hear God speak, we will move despite the obstacles or the mountains that are in our way. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. I believe that God has spoken to, to your hearts today. Some of you have, are encouraged today. God has reminded you of a dream in your heart, or he has maybe put something new there. Maybe he's started something in your heart. Maybe God has spoken to you about this church, and he's, he's, he's kind of confirmed or pinpointed in your heart. Wow, this vision that God has given this church, uh, what he wants to do in Lawrenceville in the east end of Pittsburgh. I need to be a part of that. I need to give into that. I need to, to sow into that. I need to say, whatever needs done, I will do it. Because God has got incredible things. I believe that God wants your neighbors to know him this year. I believe that those 100 people, that several of them are going to be people you know. But we have to say, are we willing to be David? Are we willing to step out and say, okay, I hear you. I will move. I will do what you've asked us to do. I'm going to step out in faith. I could get killed in the process. I could just be on fire as a 15-year-old boy and I could walk out there and get squashed. But I believe that God has spoken and that he, like so many times before, will do what needs done before I even have to pick up my sword. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for all that you have done in this church. Thank you for all that you have done in our lives. God, I, I as a pastor, I have a unique view to the lives of people in our church. I have seen where people have come from. God, I am so grateful. The theme of this week for me has been spiritual legacy, that generations are being changed because of the people in this church. We have chosen to make disciples. We have chosen to say Jesus is more important than everything, and knowing him trumps everything else. And because of that, there are moms and dads here who have kids whose their destiny is now changed and altered because they follow. Jesus. I believe in that. And I'm thankful for what you have done here. God, I ask that you would do more now. 
We have heard you say to us that you have called us to the East End, that you have called us to our own building, that you have called us to 100 salvations this year, and we double our efforts. We will plan. We will push. We will give ourselves. We will give our time. We will give our energy. We will give our resources to making your vision for this city and for our lives come true. God, help us to always remember to act our age, to be okay with the season that we find ourselves in, to enjoy the opportunities that are with us now. Help us to be content, but help us to never act our size, to always have a boldness to step out in faith for whatever it is you called us to. God, we declare that you will have your way this year, that your will will be done in Encounter Church and in the city of Pittsburgh this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's close our service today by singing a song together, and then we'll come back up and finish off our service today. Let's worship God with everything we have for who he is. Mighty Savior, lifted high, King forever, Jesus Christ, crowning glory. Grace to light, thus in power, blessed us. Almighty Savior, lifted high, King forever, Jesus Christ. Crowning glory, grace to Thus in power lives in us. See, the grave could not contain, the grave could not contain the power of his name. The death you overcame once and for all. The grave could not contain the power of his name. The death you overcame once and for all And the grave could not contain the power of his name The death you overcame once and for all The grave could not contain the power of his name The death you overcame once and for all, mighty Savior, lifted high, the King forever, Jesus Christ, crowned in glory, raised to life, thus in power. same power that lives in us. Thank you, God. Let's continue this, uh, this heart of worship. We're going to worship God now with our giving, with our finances, if our service hosts want to come forward. You know, we believe that when we put God first in every area of our lives, not just with our words, but with our actions, particularly also with our finances, that he will be with us. He promises to be. And I want to say something real quickly. 
to you is that when we give, when we give sacrificially, when we give from our heart cheerfully, you know what we're doing is we are combining our efforts and investing in everything we talked about today. You know, the ability to act our age but never our size comes from people, part of our family, who say, I am a part of that. You are a part of that. And all the outreaches and the big hunt and the back-to-school bash and all the backpacks and all of the things that we do, even the space that we're in today. And one day, when we find our own building, the money that it takes to get into that space is because of your giving. And we're thankful for that. And we do that today and worship Him. We celebrate what God has done by giving to Him. And if this is your first time, if this is your first time with us or you're new here, this is not for you. If you want to give, you're welcome to, but this is for those who are a part of Encounter Church. We say this is our family, and we're invested in what God is doing. There are a couple easy ways for you to give. The first is uh, through a, the, the offering baskets as they come by in just a second. Uh, in front of your chair is a pocket with an envelope in it. If you want to have a tax-deductible gift, just fill that out and put your gift in the in there and then in the basket as it comes by. Also, you can put your connection cards in there. But the easiest way to give is online. Everybody, almost everyone in our church gives online at EncounterGiving.com. You can even set it up recurring, and many of our people do, so you know you're giving regularly, and it's set up that way. Um, and if you are new today and you want your gift, please come out to the Connection Center and bring your connection card there. We would love to give you that movie pack and meet you and begin a conversation with you. Let's pray, and then we're going to close our service and give, a, give our, our gifts here. Father, thank you for all that you have done. We are celebrating who you are. We are celebrating all that you have done. We look forward to the future for Encounter Church. We look forward to the dreams in our lives and everything that you have for us. We praise you. We pray that you give every person who gives today a blessing in their lives, that you would be with them. You give them favor and strength. You would be faithful. Show them your faithfulness. I take every gift, God. Stretch it, multiply it so that we can do even greater things for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, as, we, uh, as the baskets are coming around, I'm going to go ahead and reveal a gift. All week long, we have been talking about how anybody who comes today is going to be receiving a special gift. We put a lot of time and energy into this, and we're excited. I hope you enjoy it. I want to take my shirt off. It's a little hot in here. I don't know. We, uh, you'll have to excuse me for a second here. Yeah. Well, so we, uh, we have these T-shirts, and I'd like to show you. We have it on the screen, I believe, as well. It says, encounter God in real life. And, you know, this is who we are as a church. And we want every one of you to be a walking advertisement for Jesus. That's what it's about, right? We wanted to design something to look cool. Our very own Christian Wecker, who is downstairs serving in our kids right now, designed these. You see him, tell him how awesome he is and thank him for his work, our media team in general. But every one of you, hopefully we have enough, uh, will get one of these shirts for free today. And all we ask is that you just wear them. And when people ask you if they talk, you know, just use it as a springboard to tell people about Jesus. That's it. So. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.